welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Hey, everybody. Seems dark in here. Is this, this how we're going to do it? It's great. I can't see anybody. It's like I'm practicing in my room. Oh, now I'm nervous. <laughs> Turn them back on. I'm kidding. Um, hey, wow. I love getting to see everybody. I like scan the crowd, see who's here, take attendance, email you. Hey, where were you on Sunday? I'm just kidding. I don't have time for that administrative work. I'm a mama for. I don't get on my computer besides like once a month, and then it's interrupted, and I don't finish what I got on there to do. So you will not get a follow-up email from me. Maybe a text if I have your number. Um, I didn't know if anyone has been in the lobby and has noticed we have a cart of books, and this is our church library. These are Lynn and I's favorite Christian books, and so we have them out there for everyone to borrow on the honor system. So, borrow and return. I don't borrow books because I have four kids, and I blame it on them, but I ruin every book I have. It's got water on it. It's got coffee on it. So, I don't borrow books, but hopefully you guys aren't like that. If you are, you know what, still borrow it, and it'll, we'll just see that you used it, and that's good, too. But there's a shelf out there. There's books on it. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. There's some baby onesies if you have a baby and you want a little baby onesie. It's a cedar house on it. It's on there, too. Um, Who's excited for Saturday? Yes. Do you guys want to see what uh, yesterday looked like with the men's canoe trip? Because we have some photos, I think. All right, here we go. Um, Is that Michael Castillo back there? That's his uh, blow-up floaty. Landon was super excited. He found out that Michael was bringing this thing, and he was like, I'm set. I'm just going to get in with Michael. Uh, That other thing looks humongous. All right, what's the next one? Okay, okay. That water looks pretty clear. Is that, like, safe for our kids? Okay, what's the next one? Josh Atwell. Did you fall in at all? Did you need that thing tied to your ankle? It was hardcore? It didn't get away from you? (laughs) Okay, what's the next one? Uh, That looks fun. So I'm not from the south. I'm from the Pacific Northwest where the water is clear. It's freezing, but it's clear. So this scares me. I'm like, there. I tell my girls every water down here has alligators and snakes because I don't want them near it. Mostly because I can't see through it and that scares me more than anything. What's the next one? Okay. A little beach. Cool. Is that... Are you like up on a chair, Michael? I'm sitting on an ice chest. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Is, is that it? More? Did you guys jump off that wall? So being from the Pacific Northwest, we did that a lot. (laughs) I don't know if you go to the shores down here. I hear that's where the alligators and snakes are. Jeremy, are you winning? Probably, right? Winning at everything. Was it a contest between you and Jody? Who was going to win? Cool. This river looks really big. I was thinking it was going to be, like, very small. Is that it? Look at those men. That's what manliness looks like right there. 
It really looks so pretty. Oh, I know this guy. Aww. You and me. That's who I married right there. I was like, that's the one I want. Give me the floppy hat guy laying in the canoe, being paddled by another man. He's 6'4", too, so this is really ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't think I can recover. <laughs> he was leaving the house, and he's like, do you have a hat? And I looked at him. I'm like, it's 7 a.m. No, wait, you had to meet at 7 a.m., so it was like 6 a.m. I'm like, you want me to give you a hat right now? So our family, if you can't tell, we have large heads. Like, I wear a men's hat, and he doesn't fit in a hat. Miles texted me the funniest thing about him wearing his hat. Um, I was like, no, no, but you, you need to wear like a collared shirt and like long sleeves out there because I'm not there for you. And when you put sunscreen on, you can tell where you didn't put sunscreen on. He came home. He's like splotchy from here to here, all red, all red. I was like, are you okay? And then I see this photo. I'm like, oh, Michael took care of you. Whenever I'm not there, please take care of my husband. He needs a little help. He can go, 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 but he needs help with his sunscreen, like especially right here. So I hope somebody got that for you. I don't even know how to recover from that. But we're going to do something even more fun on Saturday at my house. It's like the best icebreaker ever for getting to know people when you do something um, awkward and fun. So there will be Dawn soap and a slip and slide that's blown up. And we're going to play on it. Only for women. No children. No men. Just women. Bring a dish. I love brunch because you can like sweet, savory. Really, you can bring anything. It's like delayed breakfast. It's like a way to eat between breakfast and lunch, brunch. All right. Teaching time. I'm excited to teach today. Last week, I taught on wrestling with God and the story of Jacob and the Israelites and those being God's people. And... I really <clears throat> wanted to share this word last week, and it was a word about having peace in the storm, because all day, every day is a storm. There is chaos. It doesn't mean there's bad trauma, traumatic things happening, but there is pressure. Unless you're hiding, there is a lot going on in our day, and that's not, it doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be wrong. I think if if life is hard, you're probably doing something right because you're putting yourself out there. You're trying. We're supposed to be advancing the kingdom of God on earth while we're here. And then we have eternity to be in heaven with God. So while we're on earth, it should be hard work. So we're going to need peace in the storm. Um, I really feel like God is going to move in our hearts and our minds today. I think that he has a lot to um, do in people today. I think that there's a lot of strongholds in our mind that we don't even realize we carry on. And I really feel he's going to do some work in our minds today. God's peace is vital, like absolutely vital to get through life. Like without God's peace, life to me is not bearable. I know that might sound dramatic, but it's really real. I have four little people constantly around me and I'm an introvert who likes alone time. So, I have to have God's peace, like have to have God's peace to function, to make life bearable. 
Um, in scripture, it tells us that God's peace transcends our understanding. That means in any situation, no matter what it looks like, we can have peace. How do we get this peace? I need that. How do we do this? Scripture tells us. It promises us peace, and it tells us exactly how to get it. It requires us to surrender, and it requires us to have self-control. If we want God's peace, we actually have to play a part in it. If we want God's peace in our life, we have to surrender, and we have to have self-control. So let's look at this, the scriptures that say, this is how you get God's peace. Do not be anxious and do not worry. Do not be anxious and do not worry. Okay, the problem with that is that we have problems. And we see the problems with our eyes, and then we think about the problems in our head, and then we talk about the problems with the people around us. <clears throat> it's really hard to not just focus on the bad situations. So I think it's actually our default position to fret and to worry and to talk about these things and just perpetuate the problem. I think it is actually part of being a renewed person and having the mind of Christ and having self-control to get out of that cycle. I watch my kids do it. They like, immediately they'll go to freak out mode. Has anybody seen a kid? They go to freak out mode like zero to a thousand like that. I think that's our default. I have to train my kid. No, no, I know that's what it looks like, but that's not how it's going to be. I have to train them to slow down, to calm their mind, their will, and their emotions so that they can think clearly and not freak out. Anybody freak out in here? I, my kids can tell you I freak out. I'm not 100% on not freaking out. But the, the job that we have is to take the spiraling thoughts in our minds, to take the worst case scenarios and the fear and the perspectives that we have and our presumptions about what's going on in these situations. It's our job to get in control of this. It's our job. Isn't that an amazing, scary privilege and responsibility? God's like, this, you have to work on this. You have to control this. What you think about is your choice. I don't know about you, but God doesn't just tell me what to think about and then like do it for me. I have to consciously choose what I think about and what I think about those things. So how do we do this? How do we not be anxious? How do we not worry? How do we not focus on those things? How do we get control of our head and our thoughts? We spend time with God. We spend time with God. We sit in his presence because the Holy Spirit that's in us has the fruit of self-control that we need to do this. So we have to sit in God's presence. We have to surrender it to him. We have to read scripture. We have to get our thoughts and take them captive and take scripture and renew our thoughts so we can be transformed so that we're not in this default position of worry and freak out and be anxious. But we renew ourselves with scripture. We renew ourselves with the nature of God that was modeled in the life of Jesus. And we get our thoughts in line. And that's how we have God's peace. This scripture, um, 2 Corinthians 10.5, this is the, I had like 10 scriptures that I emailed the, the AV team and that we were going to go through today. And then I came this morning and I was like, we have one. Here's the one. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension, that pretension is lies, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This scripture 
I mean, outside of Jesus, Holy Spirit, and Father God, save my life. Because this is a practical how to thrive in life as a Christian. So we demolish starts with we. So that's our responsibility. We demolish arguments and lies that set itself up against the knowledge of God. So if you want to think differently, if you want to see God accurately, think accurately, if you want to have faith that's unshakable, it starts right here. We have to tear down these things that come up against the knowledge of God. And this is how we do it. Are you ready? This is the message for today. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That means every thought in your head, every thought has to be fact-checked against Scripture and the life of Jesus. Every thought. Is anybody overwhelmed right now? It's okay, because this is how we get peace. Every thought, we have to take it and make it obedient to Christ. That means if it's not in his head, it can't be in my head. If it's not his thoughts on a situation, then they can't be my thoughts on a situation. That means if I get a doctor's report that says I'm terminally ill, I can't keep that as my reality because that's not what he says. That's not who he is. And I have to change the way I think about it. Every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought The Prince of Peace asks us to do something about our thoughts. We cannot be people possessed by our thoughts. You ever get in an argument with somebody and you're like, they're not even hearing me. They're so possessed by their thoughts, the thoughts are just coming out of their mouth. We have to be people that possess our thoughts. We have to be people that say, no, no, this thought doesn't get to control me because this is not going to set me up well for my life or the people around me. I will choose what thoughts I have in my head. I get to choose that. We can be ruled by our situations or we can choose how we respond to our situations. It is absolute that we can choose how we respond to situations in life. We can freak out or we can choose not to freak out. I know because I freak out all the time. We can choose not to. It takes patience and self-control and it takes diligence. So surrendering And having self-control is how we get the peace of God. I'm not perfect at this, but I have grown a lot in this. When I have these, um, I have three milestones in my life that they literally changed the course of my life. I, first when I became a mom, I was very aware of the mom I wanted to be. And I was very aware that I was not that person yet. So I was not ready to be a mom because I was very selfish. And I did not want to be a selfish mom. And I knew that I needed to work on a few things. So God moved that timeline up and um, surprised me a little bit. He was like, no, now's a good time. Um, So motherhood was just this eye-opening time for me. I became hyper-aware of my thoughts and the things I was saying because whatever was going on in me was going to come out of me and it was going to be the atmosphere of my home. And I was I mean, I love Landon, and I really wanted to like, be a better person for him. But it wasn't until I had kids that I was like, oh, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be that person I've always wanted to be because I don't want to screw them up. I don't want them to have to have this stuff that I've dealt with. So that was my first milestone. Huge, hard, lots of work. The second one, I was in the Washington, D.C. airport. <coughs> 
Lynn and I were flying from Washington, D.C. to Seattle. We only had hope. She was between one and two years old. It was like 3.30 a.m., right? Anybody ever fly at that time? It's not, it's not good. And we're there, and I'm like thriving in this stressful moment. I feel like I am winning. I am like so organized. I have our tickets. I have our luggage to be checked. I have all the snacks and playthings for a one-year-old on an airplane. Landon has our daughter, and I think this is awesome. Like, I am winning. I'm feeling so good about myself as I'm checking everything in, and I'm not really noticing Landon. And God says to me, it doesn't have to be like this. And I was like, my mind was wanting to ask 100 questions, but it pierced me, and I was like, oh, no, he's right, and I need to change. And I was like, but me, I still went after it with God. And I was like, but I'm doing so good. Like I'm winning. Like, look how organized I am. I'm a little OCD and everything, but look, like we are not missing a thing. And if you just make it to a 3am flight, like you're winning, we are here, we are checked in. And God was like, all this adrenaline you're feeling is actually anxiety. And you can't sustain like that. You can't keep going at this pace. And I was like, Okay, and it made me step back and look and look at Landon and look at Hope, and I was like, maybe my intensity is a little scary. Like, maybe I'm a little too much right now. I mean, everything is perfect, right? Everything is perfect, but they might not like me very much, and I really want them to like me. Like, it's okay if we, well, it's not okay to lose a bag, but, you know, what I really need is my kids and my husband to love me and want to be around me. It's okay if I mess up. I mean, I don't really feel that way, but I'm learning (laughs) to tell myself, like, it's okay if that doesn't go perfectly if I remain in peace. And so this really set me off on a journey with my kids and my husband and just functioning in life because I like things to be done really well. I, like, am an ex-perfectionist, and then I found God and was like, oh, that's not good. I should, but I can be excellent. And excellence good. So I'm an excellent person. I love excellence. And I'm not functioning in perfectionism most of the time. So, <clears throat> so that really helped me a lot because I was not having God's peace. God's peace wasn't the thing dominating me. And that is what I needed to continue to function, to continue having kids, to travel with kids. I needed more peace and less perfection. Um, so my third milestone, it's really funny. These are all, um, traveling or these two are traveling. I'm in the, I'm in an airport in Texas. I'm in, I'm on a small airplane in Texas on the runway. This is in the, um, 2016 flood. We didn't know it was the flood. It was like the beginning of the flood. And I was flying with Penelope and she was between one and two. That's really funny. Baby's one and two years old. Must be really stressful to travel with. Um, and I'm on the runway with her. We just got off a four-hour flight from Seattle, and we're headed to Baton Rouge. And we get on the airplane, and we start going out to take off. You know that moment when you're like, we're just taxiing, and it's our turn next. And you're like, okay, yeah. Well, that taxiing like, just went a little too long, and I've flown enough. I was like, oh, no, we're going to be delayed. Like, this is not, we are going to be delayed. And then all of a sudden, the plane the engines turn off on the plane and they come on and they're like, well, we're going to just sit here for a little bit because there's a storm in Baton Rouge. We're just going to wait for it to blow over 
and then we'll take off. But we have to turn the, the plane off because we only have enough fuel to fly to Baton Rouge. So this is August. I have a lap baby. I am in this small airplane sweating with whatever food she's eating on me, and I'm just like, okay, this is what I do, and I'm trying not to freak out. You guys get inside my world. Okay, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Because what I'm saying is I'm okay because I'm not okay. Because what I want to be doing is be like, I'm not okay, I'm not okay. But that spirals out of control really fast. So this is just how, this is, I didn't even plan this. This is just how I do it. I'm just like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. My kids are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to win. I can win. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I am winning. They will listen to me. And they're like pounding on the door. Let me in. No, but this is on the airplane. So I'm like staying in this bulkhead seat, which I was so excited to get with a lap baby because you have a little extra room, but you do not have your bags. You cannot have your bags next to you there. So we're sitting on this airplane, the power is off. I have a one-year-old, which is basically like a small puppy who doesn't want to be still. And you're like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, I'm okay. And the flight attendant's sitting right in front of me and they're like, oh, so cute. And she's just handing my kid cookies and I'm like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And this is like, it's hot. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have a car seat for her. I've got to rent a car. I've got to drive back to Baton Rouge. Like, I'm not just thinking we're delayed. I'm like, worst case scenario, I'm probably going to have to stay in a hotel. I'm going to have to go buy a car seat. Like, this is my natural tendency. That's where I went. <clears throat> so I'm sitting there in about the most claustrophobic feeling thing I could have. Flight attendants like, ma'am, please, like, you have to hold your child. Like, even though we're, we're, like, parked, we're still on the runway, so we're, like, still technically in flight. And I was like, okay, now I'm failing. And I just felt God be like, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And I'm thinking, like, okay, that's not going to do anything. And I'm just sitting there, closing my eyes, sweating, and feeling the crumbs sticking to me and the sweat and the seat. And what felt like 15 minutes was two hours. And, but you missed it. No, what felt like 15 minutes was two hours on this runway. And I did not realize it in the moment that this was happening, but this was the most supernatural, peaceful experience. And I was like aware that I was abnormally peaceful, but like, wasn't really going to question it, right? I was very aware of the reality of the situation. And they turned the engine on, and they took off, and we flew in. And this is really miraculous, really not part of the story, but we got into Baton Rouge, and I was walking out, and I looked at the board, and it had every flight into Baton Rouge was canceled except for mine. And we got in, and Landon picked us up, and we made it. We live, like, the furthest from the airport in Baton Rouge, and we made it all the way home. And all the clothes, all the roads were closing behind us. So, and then we were on an island, so we were stuck there for three days. So it's really good that I made it home because that would have been highly traumatic. Doesn't have anything to do with my story, but that was an, a, a miracle on its own. So this peace in the storm, like I, I consciously obeyed God. I chose. I hate this situation. I want to freak out. I'm just going to sit here and close my eyes. And I got God's peace. It was a supernatural experience. I didn't deserve it, but I did cooperate with him. I did not scream at the flight attendant for feeding my kid really bad food either. Okay, I want to look at scripture because there's a couple stories in scripture that 
um, we can see humans freaking out. Humans overwhelmed a little bit. Anybody like reading scripture and being like, oh, God still came through for them, and they were like a maniac and didn't believe them? Is it just me? Okay, so here's a story of humans being overwhelmed and not having peace in the storm. They were not calm. So the most obvious for this teaching would be Jesus asleep in the storm. He gets on a boat with his disciples, and they're crossing the waters, and it says a storm comes unannounced. Like, there's supposed to be an announcing that the storm's coming. The storm comes unannounced. <clears throat> the disciples freak out. They go wake up Jesus, and Jesus is like, this is just my version of it. Jesus is like, okay, why are you guys freaking out? Like, just have faith. Storm, stop. Okay, I'm going back to sleep. Like, that's like my version of it, and the disciples are like me when I'm freaking out, like, ah, the storm's going to kill us. The waves are coming. So we're not alone in our freaking out. The second story I want to share is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's the healing at the pool, and it's in John 5. I love this story because I think that if we pay attention to it, we can see how we can relate to it and how we cannot behave that way. So this is the story of a man who was an invalid for 38 years. And they had this pool. They called it Bethesda. So imagine this big pool, and this is what happened. An angel would come down and stir the waters, and all the sick sitting around the pool would get in and get healed. This is... A beautiful story, isn't it? So Jesus comes upon this pool and he sees all these people laying around and he sees this man who had been invalid for 38 years. So first of all, if you're 38 years, that's a really long time and you're laying next to the pool, you can see the pool, you're for 38 years invalid. Okay, just want to make sure you get that part. So Jesus comes to him. Imagine being this person. Jesus comes to him. Do you want to get healed? Like, at that moment, how are you not like, are you kidding me? Like, Jesus, I've been here for 38 years. The pool's right there. Like, how do you even ask me, do I want to be healed? And the guy's response wasn't that much different. He was like, well, the pool's there. I'm here. When the angel comes, everybody else gets in first. I can't make it there before everybody. And nobody helps me in. Now, that's totally valid. That's totally logical, right? Like, that really was happening to this person. But I don't think he was having peace in his storm. Because I think peace in his storm would have looked like this. Okay, 38 years, there's the pool. Like, going to get to the pool. You see how slow I'm moving? 38 years, I think you could get to whatever you can see. Even if you can't walk. Like, you can move in some way, I'm sure. Or like, hey, guys, just like once a year, give me a push, like just an inch, just like one inch in 38 years, I'm going to get in that pool. Like, and then if he gets there, like all he has to do is wait for the angel. Like I'd be the one sitting like with my feet in the pool, like I'm winning. Like no one is beating me in this pool if that's where my healing is. And his response was, was um, I have no one to help me into the pool when the waters are stirred. When I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus says to him, this is with an exclamation mark, but I'm not going to yell. He says, get up. That's what tells me this guy was probably not having peace in his storm too. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was healed. What are you validating with logic that's keeping you from breakthrough? 
What are you sitting back blaming other people for? What are you comparing your life to and seeing other people get breakthrough that you're not getting? That's what that story tells me, and it's, it's painful. Here's one that's good. This is when people had peace in the storm. Paul and Silas, they got put in prison. This is a cool story. So they are beaten, thrown in prison, Paul and Silas, thrown in prison. They're in prison. They're worshiping. The foundations of the prison shake. The chains fall off, and the gates open. Okay, pause. If that was you, what would you do? It, I'd be like, gone. Like, I'd be the first one out. I don't know if I, if I was Paul, I don't know if I'd wait for Silas. I'd be like, I don't like prison. I don't like being constrained. But they didn't. So this is what happened. That happens. Chains fall off. The gates open. The foundations shake. They are free. And in this moment, I know they had peace in the storm because when you do not have peace in the storm, you are completely self-consumed. You don't see anybody else's needs. And this is what happened. The jailer, who was likely their enemy because he was the jailer, and they were in jail, the jailer was so distraught that he was about to take his life. And Paul and Silas are over here. They were probably debating about it. Like, like we're really close. And they're like, no, no, we're right here. We're right here. Like, don't kill yourself. We're right here. Like, we're free, but like, we have peace. So we can come over here and make sure your life doesn't go that direction. And this is how that story continues. The jailer asked them about the Lord. They told him about the Lord. The jailer took them to his home, cleaned their wounds, gave them a meal, brought his family, and they were all baptized. Look at the power of having peace in the storm. So in the moments when we want to freak out and we're like, oh, but it would just be easier to freak out. Okay, I'll have self-control. I will not freak out. I'll have peace. (gasps) Oh my gosh, I notice people. Oh, I see people around me. Oh, I have capacity to help people. Oh, I'm not self-consumed. Oh, I can do what I'm supposed to do on earth. Because we're only here for a little while, and we have a lot to do. And we can't be having our mind race out of control. Because when it does, we can't see anything. We can't get anything done. In Psalms, it says, be still my soul. I love this psalm. Be still my soul. Because it tells me, oh, I can, I can be powerful over my soul? Like, I can tell my soul what to do? I'm not just like, well, I feel this, so I think this. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So that means I tell my soul what to do. doesn't mean I ignore it. It tells, I tell it what to do. It translates to calm down. Be still, my soul, translates calm down. Sometimes we just need to tell ourselves, calm down. I think that's why God told me to close my eyes on the airplane, Because he knew if I took a posture of relaxing, I might just calm down. I might just calm down. I might get his peace. Calm down, soul. Calm down, thoughts. Calm down, emotions. Calm down, will. We have a choice in every situation on how to respond. We can choose to demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we can take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. But it takes self-control. So how do you respond to hard things in life? How do you respond when you feel stressed out? How do you respond when you don't get what you want? What comes out of your mouth when you don't get what you want? What, gets out, what comes out of your mouth when you see other people get what you want? What comes out of your mouth when people betray you 
Would you have been like Paul and Silas and be like, oh, my enemy, the jailer, he's going to kill himself. Let me help him. What, we, what do you do in those pressured moments? What do you do when you feel worry and anxiety coming on you, when you feel your thoughts spiraling out of control? Do you just sit there like a lame duck and you're like, oh, this is horrible. Oh, my day is going to be horrible. Now my week is going to be horrible and my life is going to be horrible. My marriage is going to be horrible because that's where it goes. You know, a compass off one degree goes to a totally different place. So our thought life is really important on what we do with it. This isn't to scare you. This is to empower you because this was the message I needed this week. I had a lot of hard situations and I was quoting all this stuff to myself all week long. Um, And you know what I found? When, when I just couldn't quote it enough and I couldn't will myself to not freak out, I just put worship music on and I just put my head down. I just, I, the kids would walk in, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like on the ground with my head on my bed. I was like, I just need a minute. I just need a minute because I know that what's going on is too much for me and I'm overwhelmed and I need the only thing that is more powerful than that. The Prince of Peace the power in the name of Jesus. That's the only thing that can defeat the things that come at us. And we have free access to that all the time. The power of the name of Jesus. And we have the Prince of Peace. That's his name, the Prince of Peace. Aren't you so thankful? Aren't you so thankful that no matter how many times you freak out, in the middle of it, you can kick something across the room and your kids can see it. And in the middle of it, you can be like, no. Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace. You can have nothing going for you in the day. You can have no power in your building, no AC for church on Sunday. And you can go, no, no, no. I have the Prince of Peace. I don't have to freak out. So we're going we're gonna to soak. We're going to put music on, and we are just going to get before God because that is the only way to really get free. It's the only way to get our thoughts right. It's the only way to get set free and delivered from the things that come at us. So we're going we're gonna to soak. That means we're just going to sit in his presence. If you felt like there's something you need to get right with God in your mind, if you need to surrender, if you are like, I hear this message, but I can't do that. You don't understand. My mind just races. My thoughts just go. I have ADD. I can't control where my mind goes. He's so much bigger than that. He's so much bigger than any excuse. He healed the guy at the pool after all the excuses. He probably had 38 years of excuses coming out. So we're just going to sit before God. If you want to come up front, you can come up front. If you want to come up and just an act of surrender and surrender to God. Like, I want to get my thought life right. I don't want my thoughts to rule me like this. I don't want anxiety and fear and worst case scenarios to take my mind places. If you just need more of the Prince of Peace in your life, you can come up. There's a posture we take when we bow down to him. We are not bowing down to those other things. So when I was having a stressful week, I would put worship music on and I would put my head down because I was positioning myself to say no to all those other things that were warring at my attention. 
and yes to the one thing that I want to have all my attention. He's bigger than any excuse. He's bigger than any pain. He will meet you where you are in your thoughts. If you've never worked on your thought life, he's not mad at you. He's ready to start right now. God, we just invite your presence. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and move in our hearts and our minds. We invite the power of Jesus to deliver us from strongholds, from generational strongholds over the way we think. We just break thought patterns that steal life right now in Jesus' name. visit cedarhousechurch.com.